I'm Lonnie Edwards, the founder of The Dog Agency and Pet Insider, and you're listening to the Pet Insider Podcast. This is a show about the latest and greatest across the pet world. Whether you're a pet parent or just a little pet crazy, Pet Insider has you covered. We get it. We're obsessed too. It was kind of relatable in a way that people could maybe see their own dog through the eyes of Crusoe and the little stories and adventures he was telling as he explored the world from, uh, you know, 12 inches off the ground. That was Ryan Beauchene, human to the dog agency client Crusoe the Celebrity Dachshund. Ryan will discuss how creating a blog for Crusoe turned into a full-time job involving book deals, shows, and merchandise. Now let's get back to Ryan. Ryan, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. So starting from the beginning, how did you get Caruso and how did this all start? So we got Caruso about seven years ago now from a breeder in Montreal. Uh, My girlfriend had actually wanted a a wiener dog for a long time and I finally gave in. So we got him and it wasn't until he was about a year old that I started a little blog and a Facebook page totally for fun, just as a little hobby. Uh, there was no intention of making it what it is today, or I had no idea if it was going to be a little three-month hobby or or what it would become. And when you started it, were there kind of plans around the content, or did you just start posting things and go with the flow? Totally went with the flow. It really started with, with the blog. So when he was about a year old, I started just writing little stories uh, and experimenting with a camera and taking pictures. And I found people on my my personal Facebook were really getting a kick out of the photos. So that's when I decided to start a a page for him. Um, And then just over the first year, it grew totally organically. Uh, Like our blog stats were exponential for the first 12 months. Um, And it just really captivated me and got my attention and made me want to do it more and more. And what led to that growth? Was there a press hit or some kind of feature that caused it to take off? Yeah. Pretty much right away, like we started getting a little bit of traction. You know, I was sharing posts just on my my personal uh, Facebook to start, but then we started, you know, getting more fans and totally, totally organic over the first year. And I think it was really just, um, uh, I guess, the the writing style and how it kind of came from Crusoe's perspective. So it was it was kind of relatable in a way that people could maybe see their own dog through the eyes of Crusoe and the little stories and adventures he was telling as he explored the world from, uh, you know, 12 inches off the ground. (laughs) And can you talk about the blog a little more? I mean, most pet influencers just have Instagram and Facebook pages. Having a blog is a little unique. Yeah, I mean, I I do so much now from like videos to photos and all that, but my my core passion and how it all started is actually just in the writing itself. Um, So the blog was just a little creative outlet in that sense. Um, so I, re- I really enjoyed doing it, and it was all written from his perspective, uh, just short little kind of stories or adventures of him doing things or traveling. Um, I was a big fan of Calvin and Hobbes growing up, and I find that's one of my biggest inspirations to this day, just in how, uh, same with Calvin and Hobbes, it's kind of a very whimsical perspective and sort of reveals the inner child in you when you read that. And it's the same way I like to think for our blog is it sort of reveals uh, what your dog might think of the world and how they might see it. So it's kind of f- fun for people in that way. And when did you evolve from the writing to creating these incredible videos and how did that come about? It was, I'd say it was with the launch of Vine. So I was one of the early adopters of Vine 
and I put a, a ton of effort in there and we started doing more of those six second videos and a bunch of those took off and kind of went viral and we started getting a, a pretty substantial following there. So that's why I'm also pretty disappointed Vine died. Uh, did you have experience creating video or did you learn through Caruso? I, I didn't even have experience with photography when I started. <laughs> <laughs> so I learned, I learned it all over the time. Uh, for a long time, I was just recording the Vine videos on my phone natively as you had to. Um, and then I started getting more into DSLRs and fancier cameras, took some photography courses. So it's been a, a really cool learning experience over the time too. It's incredible. And how do you keep coming up with fresh and engaging content? <laughs> uh, it's difficult for sure, but somehow we always come up with an idea. Uh, my girlfriend is great for brainstorming and throwing ideas off of. So every once in a while, we'll sit down and kind of just hash out some ideas. Uh, we've definitely covered a lot so far, but we always seem to come up with something new. So for now, it works. And getting Crusoe to uh, perform so well in the videos, what is that like? What kind of tips do you have? Yeah, uh, everyone always asks us if he's like a trained acting dog or something, but <laughs> he's he's really not. He uh, he was actually the last puppy of his litter, and he was very very shy and quiet when we first came to see him. Um, but my girlfriend and I are both like that as well. So I think we kind of related to him in that way. But I think it's just his personality of being quiet and laid back and just really easygoing, um, which is why he's so good to wear you know a little costume or an outfit and to go along with the video. So he, he does really well. Um, he, is, he is a well-trained dog, I would say, but not acting trained. Um, and he just loves the attention. And as long <laughs> as he always makes sure it's sort of fun, engaging, and rewarding, um, and you know, keep it to short segments, then, then they'll be good. And touching on the outfits a little bit more, can you expand on that? Yeah, so along with enjoying writing, I've always kind of been crafty and like making things and stuff. So uh, about 90% of his outfits, I'd say I make from from hand. And that's that's one of the things that sort of set Crusoe's brand apart, especially from the beginning, was all these costumes and outfits that you would only see through Crusoe's page and that you still can only see through Crusoe's page. So Crusoe's completely changed your life. Do you want to touch on that a little bit and how your life has changed because of him? Yeah, totally. I mean, in, in so many ways, I hardly know where to start. Um, <laughs> I mean, first, firstly, they say your job should be to do something you love. And mine now is to spend time with my dog, which is totally awesome. I think anybody would love to do that. So it's something I, I appreciate every day. Um, also, because I know uh, it won't last forever either. Um, but he's been my full-time job for two years now. Um, and he's like, of course, he's just changed our lifestyle. Uh, my girlfriend already worked from home to begin with, so now I do as well. So we're both with Crusoe almost 24-7 all the time. Uh, just the, you know, the flexibility in your lifestyle and the travel and what you can do with them. Uh, he also kind of forced uh, me, especially out of my shell uh, with all like the interviews and media stuff we had to do. I'm a very behind the camera type person. Um, so you know to have to do a, an interview on Good Morning America and stuff like that, that was, <laughs> uh, that took, uh, some guts, but you know, it, it really helped my personal development over the time too. 
That's great. And and coming up with all these new business ideas, expanding off of it. So obviously the, the blog, the, the Facebook, the Instagram, and then books and the Facebook watch show and now the ramp that you've created. Mm-hmm. Uh, so how what has that process been like coming out with all these uh, new business ideas outside of just the traditional influencer marketing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, ha- I'm having a hard time kind of keeping up with everything now. <laughs> it's been a little overwhelming at times, but um, and it's kind of tested my organization for sure. But we're we're having fun, and you know, there's certain things like this ramp that we're working on that I kind of noticed there was a, a need and demand for actually a long time ago, um, and I finally kind of felt we were at the level and ready to introduce that as a, a side business project idea. Um, but again, still, I had no idea what to expect with that, and we're pretty surprised at the response. So, uh, yeah, I mean, so the the Doggo ramp did incredibly well. Half a million dollars raised on Indiegogo. I mean, that that's incredible. How did you build that out? Um, did you have a strategy behind the promotion, or was it kind of just because your following is so engaged and wanted more of what you're putting out there? So the 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 concept for the ramp started actually a few years ago. It was actually just a ramp that I had made for Crusoe um, a, f- a few years back. No intention of making this like a marketable product. Uh, but whenever I made a cameo in any of our videos for social media, we had so many people asking about it. And I think that's a really important thing is to you know make sure you listen and engage with your followers because there could be opportunities like that there. Um, so finally, I decided we were at the level where you know I could potentially bring it to market. Um, so we uh, we had it like sourced and sampled from a, a manufacturing facility. Uh, so we were all ready to go. And then I put together, you know, our initial strategy for the business, which was to launch on Indiegogo. And we started with some, uh, some good marketing materials. We made a really good video to showcase how it worked with Crusoe as the model, of course. And, um, yeah, we, we had an overwhelming response. I mean, I base all my initial projections on selling maximum 300 units. And we're at over 2,000 now. So it's, uh, <laughs> it's been pretty crazy, hectic, and, and definitely overwhelming. I've had to like ramp up uh, the factory's capacity for what we can do there and stuff. Um, but it's, it's definitely exciting. And it, it shows you know, the potential that, that could be done here. Yeah, and, and as far as um, creating a product like this, did you have any experience or background in this? Like, how did you find the factory? How did you go about that process? Uh, no, I have I have no experience like with sourcing a product or anything like that. Um, as I mentioned with the costumes, I've always been kind of crafty, so I came up with the the concept and the prototype of the ramp itself um, a few years ago, and then kind of refined it over the time. Um, did you make the initial one? Yep. Yep. So. I, based on the, the ramp that I had made for Crusoe and refined, I kind of built out like an instruction guide. Uh, it started really just like with a search on Alibaba. So looking for some suppliers who would do similar, similar products to this. Uh, we found a few options, got a few quotes, got a couple samples, uh, narrowed it down from there. Um, and all that to say, so I was looking at, at manufacturing in China. Um, not 100% official yet, but I think we're actually going to go with a manufacturer in the USA. Uh, so speaking of um, how you kind of learned how to do all these things uh, with Caruso, what were you doing before Caruso came into your life? Uh, maybe not a huge surprise. Uh, I worked in online marketing. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, uh, 
it was like a web design and development company. So we worked on websites, uh, search engine optimization. I did a lot of uh, writing for different corporate blogs and stuff back then. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of my background. Awesome. So taking your background plus all the things you're passionate about to create this incredible business. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's and great. for uh, the first couple years when I started Crusoe's blog and stuff, uh, I was still working at that that agency. And a lot of what I was doing with Crusoe's brand and his social media and stuff was sort of my playground for bringing that to my job <laughs> and, and then also vice versa. So it was, it was a good learning experience for both both sides of it. Uh, and so let's t- talk about Crusoe's brother, Oakley. Okay. Um, what's Oakley's story? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so Oakley is uh, Crusoe's half brother. So they have the same father, different mother, brothers from different mothers. <laughs> uh, Crusoe is a year older. Um, and pretty much it happened that my girlfriend and I, we got Crusoe. And then my parents saw Crusoe, really liked him, and wanted to get a dachshund themselves. So we referred them to our breeder, and they got Oakley there about a year later. So. Oakley lives in Toronto, and we're in Ottawa, so they're about five hours apart, which is pretty far, so they only see each other every few months. And was Oakley a natural for creating video content and photo content as well? <laughs> I have to be careful what I say here. <laughs> uh, Oakley, you know, people love Oakley for sure, and it's, it's kind of funny how people have identified with the different characters we've created in a way. There's Crusoe, who's very kind of cool, composed, um, and then there's... Oakley is very confused and uh, easily distracted. So people identify with both. Um, Oakley is definitely loved on the camera, but he's a lot harder to work with for sure. <laughs> uh, just because like his attention span is not always with me. Uh, but again, he you know he doesn't do this so regularly like Crusoe does. So it's understandable, but it makes for good video content as well, just because it's funny. Uh, and what are your tips for creating such great video content? What have you learned and what can you share with the listeners? Yeah, I'd say my tips for creating good video content are, um, you know, really really try to find what can be original and different. Uh, what what set Crusoe apart for so long and to this day is really like his his costumes and outfits because we make them all by hand, so it's not something you can see anywhere else. Um, but it's really just being true to yourself, being original, um, doing something you think you can maybe do differently than so many people out there, which is getting tougher and tougher for sure. Um, and also just uh, knowing the the platforms and how those videos are distributed and how you can optimize them to be found and viewed. Um, so, you know, it's not just about creating the content. It's also your plan for marketing it. Uh, contrary to the popular saying, just because you build it does not mean people will come. So you have to build it, but then have a plan for getting it out there. So, you know, just knowing uh, how Facebook is working right now, how the algorithm is working or how Instagram is working and its algorithm and how you can sort of play to those cues while still making your original content uh, is your best bet. And with the current algorithm changes, can you touch on that a little bit and how you've changed your strategy and what others can do to uh, work best with the new algorithm? Yeah. So... Uh, there's been a lot of algorithm changes, as everyone knows, uh, to Instagram and Facebook. I'm a little bit more focused on Facebook just because the majority of my audience is there. Um, but for Instagram as well, it's the uh, it's same idea and pretty relevant. But um, pretty much Facebook and Instagram is trying to optimize for friends and families posts over all these endless 
viral videos, which in itself is actually a, a good thing, I think. Um, but what they're trying to do is make longer form videos, which are these episodes, um, where the engagement is more meaningful, where people actually kind of sit back and watch something from start to finish. Um, and so that's, that's where we're going with episodes. And because of that, episodes also have a lot more focus in the algorithm than just regular videos and stuff like that. Um, so, so yeah, that's, that's kind of where my focus is going forward. And have you started putting together the content for season two for your show? Yeah. Um, starting to work on that's it. That's a secret. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming pretty soon and, uh, yeah, it's going to be a lot of work. I'm going to be pretty much making the episodes week to week as they come out. How long does it take you to make one of the episodes? Uh, the last season would take me a good five or six days all day to make one. Um, oh, wow. That's when I was doing it all myself, but I have a little helper who's going to give me a hand and share some of the, the tasks with that. So hopefully I can get that down a bit. Uh, and so you talked about how to create great video from a marketing perspective. But what about just from shooting with dogs? Like how, how do you get them to do what they need to do? Are there a lot of treats behind the scenes? What tricks do you have and tips for that? Yeah, so with our videos, they kind of fall in two different categories, either being like a little storyboarded video where I have each scene sort of planned out and it's kind of a matter of getting him to perform at least roughly what I was envisioning. Mm. Or, or we you know, put him in an outfit or something like that and we just kind of play with him. And he's, he's sort of himself. Uh, I play with him, but I, stay, I try to stay out of the frame. Um, and then we actually develop the story in the editing afterwards. So depending uh, what you would like to do, you could follow either method, I guess. But uh, for the storyboarded ones, you know, of course, there's a lot of treats involved. And you, know, you do some different takes, but you take a lot of breaks. Um, and just getting him to kind of go along with the story you planned out. Uh, but a lot of our best videos actually have just been the other type where like his hockey video, uh, they're just chasing a ball around, but they happen to be wearing cute little hockey outfits. Um, and then I, I just kind of splice it together in the editing later and make it look like they're playing a game and that, you know, Crusoe scored and then Oakley saves it, whatever. Um, so yeah, those are the two different ways. I think that's my favorite video of all time. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. So if anyone's listening and hasn't seen it yet, you must find it immediately. It is incredible. <laughs> um, and so your, your Facebook is bigger. I know we've touched on this a little bit, uh, which is kind of unique. Most pet influencers have a bigger Instagram than Facebook. Why do you think your Facebook is bigger? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, to be honest, I, I think about it a lot and I'm not entirely sure. I think it's partly just the demographic of dachshund owners to begin with. I think maybe... Um, there's maybe more on Facebook. Our audience demographics tend to lean a little bit older uh, on Facebook. Instagram is pretty uh, pretty di diversified, but a bit younger. Uh, I think part of it is also because we started first on Facebook. And actually one of the, the regrets I have is not starting on Instagram soon enough. And that was be because we had invested in Vine instead. So all my time was going to Vine instead of Instagram and we built up a quarter million followers on Vine, then it died, and then I kind of took up Instagram after. So that was a mistake looking back, but what can you do? So yeah, so that, that's an interesting thing um, for creators when the platform they spend the most of their time on goes away. 
what was that like? Were you able to shift people over because you, you knew it was coming or what was that process like? Um, I mean, I kind of saw it coming at the end, but it was admittedly a little too late. The engagement on Vine had already gone down so much that it was hard to transfer much over. Um, so I think, you know, as a creator, you need to make sure that you stay uh, diversified in your platforms. I'm, I'm fairly confident in Facebook uh, since it owns Instagram and all these other ones. Yeah, Facebook's not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that one's kind of the hub for, any, for everything. So I'm pretty confident there, even though, you know, they have some trouble keeping the younger eyes on it. Uh, but they're making some good changes with Facebook Watch and longer episodes and stuff like that. Are you using Snap? Yeah, no, I'm not using Snap. Um, I actually decided not to use Snapchat in favor of Instagram just because I didn't want to see a repeat of Vine. And I wasn't confident enough that Snap would stay around. So that's why I decided not to invest my time there. Maybe that'll be a mistake. We're not sure. <laughs> you still can. Are, are there any other platforms you're looking at or trying? I know you have Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Yeah, um, YouTube I'm, I'm investing a lot of time in uh, because it's pretty stable as well. I've also tried posting our videos to Musical.ly um, and we got a, some good traction there for how much effort I put in. I think we have 80,000 followers there or something now. Um, and my email list and uh, ManyChat Facebook Messenger like subscriber bot. So those are two new things. Well, not new, but... Uh, two things we're we're focusing on a lot. So you know, a Facebook fan is great, an Instagram follower is great, uh, an email subscriber is for life. You know, if Facebook goes away, you lose that, but email you don't really lose. Um, and another really cool thing is this uh, Messenger subscribers. So uh, through the Messenger platform, you have like bots where people can subscribe through Messenger, um, and we have thirty-five, forty thousand followers there now. And that's, that's essentially like an email list. Like I can do a broadcast to all our messenger followers and that goes, you know, right to the notification on their phone. When did you start using that? That was almost a year ago. Oh, so a while. Yeah. And then tips for growing email lists since, since that's the one you, you feel like is the, the most important because that's for life. Yeah. Um, so we do a lot of different ways of building it. Um, just because a lot of our content is on our blog, like we have a lot of email opt-ins there. Um, then we do like a lot of uh, cooling ways to engage with our audience, like surveys and little trivia and stuff like that, um, with the option to add their email to get our future communications. Um, so those are pretty much the main ways, yeah. So can you tell us about the second book? Yeah, it's, um, it's mostly travel-focused. So it's called uh, Crusoe the Worldly Wiener Dog. And it's about his travels uh, across the world to a few different places like Europe, um, across the US and Canada, uh, down to the Caribbean. So it's the same idea as the first book, Little Stories, all written from his perspective, but now it's uh, mainly on the travel side. Um, but it also includes the story of his surgery and recovery at home, uh, which a lot of people are interested in hearing about. And that ties into the ramps as well. Yeah. And the yeah, yeah. To prevent that, so others don't have to go through that. And so, what is what is the goal of your of um, I wouldn't say account because it's so much more than account. But um, what is what is the goal of the Caruso brand? That's a, a good question. Um, I'm trying to develop something, I guess, that has uh, more longevity than Crusoe himself. Let's say 
Um, as much as uh, I love him and him being uh, the part of it um, and all the content being of him and focused on him, uh, if we could sort of add some longevity to the brand, like for instance, with the doggo ramps that, you know, could continue as a regular business. Um, for me, like in my family, there's uh, a bit of um, sustainability in that as a business idea. Um, and Crusoe is getting a little bit older now. He's eight years old and he still likes what he's doing and stuff. But, you know, we, we noticed that uh, he's a bit more tired more often. So, you know, I don't want, I don't want him to ever feel pressured to do this. Um, and that kind of goes back to the beginning where, you know, when I started this, I didn't have the intention of, of doing this with him. So I'm only going to do it as long as he's having fun and he's comfortable. Um, so in that sense, I don't want it to rely so much on him that there's too much pressure on him at all. For the, the Doggo Ramp Company, are you planning to launch other products and build that out more? I think so. We've had a lot of people ask for like bigger dog ramps for the bed, which was surprising. Like wider or? Like like heavier dogs. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Because our, our max weight is like 30 pounds. So some people want like their big basset hounds or their, their labs that have some arthritis or something, uh, which I didn't actually think of. So that's another good thing. Um, yeah. Or couch ramps, travel ramps, all kinds of ramps. Do you think you'll expand beyond ramps? Maybe not doggo ramps specifically, but I think there's some other opportunities to go elsewhere, whether that's into uh, Crusoe's costumes or some other sort of, uh, I don't know, lifestyle, e-commerce site, whatever. Um, and then what advice do you have for people that are looking to turn their pet into an influencer? I would say uh, the main thing is to make sure you're doing it for the right reason. Um, to be honest, I don't love it when uh, I see people who are, are clearly starting an account, you know, just to be famous or are even getting a dog just to make them famous. Um, I don't think that's the right intentions or the right approach. Um, I think it needs to come from the heart and be a reflection of what you like to do. Um, and that's why Crusoe is kind of so special to me is that he was uh, the method or the medium for me to express myself. So yeah, so just make sure you're doing it for the right reasons that the dog is always uh, well treated and cared for um, and that you're staying authentic and original. Yeah, and, and advice, I guess, uh, to entrepreneurs in general. I mean, because you've, obviously Crusoe is the brand, but there's so many more aspects of the brand that like the ramps, the the show, the the books, like everything else that you've done that he's obviously the the theme, but there's, there's just so much more beyond mm -hmm. just a dog doing cute things. So uh, what advice do you have kind of beyond just being a pet influencer and just becoming a successful entrepreneur? Yeah. Um, I think uh, first and foremost, you need to concentrate on the content, uh, which is what I did for the first, you know, six, seven years. Uh, just focus on putting out really good content the best you can do. And I truly believe good things will come from that. Um, and then as I did with the ramps to make sure that you engage and learn from your audience as well. So, you know, you can look for opportunities that derive from that. Make sure you know your audience, uh, like know your demographic and what they might be looking for. Um, you can learn a bit more about their purchase behaviors and stuff by engaging them in different ways, like with the surveys and stuff we do. Uh, like for the ramps, I was doing surveys for a while, like seeing, you know, I would ask people, 
how much does your dog weigh? Like, what are your dog's dimensions? Um, what would be your main uh, goal in getting a ramp? Is it for the safety aspect, for the convenience aspect? So I learned all these things first before I even put together like our marketing video for the product. So you just need to make sure that you you learn and engage with your audience. So you, you kind of know what they're looking for, know who they are, like the demographic. Um, and then from there, you can put together something that uh, that you can deliver, but also is relevant to your audience because your biggest asset is really your audience. And, and just touching on the Indiegogo campaign. So, I mean, it looks like from an outsider perspective that it was an overnight success. You put it on half million dollars in a few days, but, but that actually wasn't the case. How long were you working on this before you launched the Indiegogo? Uh, I'd say it was six months in advance that I had decided I wanted to do that. Um, so like from developing the prototype, my little instructions, going and approaching different factories, that all started about six months in advance. Um, we did little surveys to our, our fan group and stuff like that, where I kind of collected some information like, you know, uh, how much does your dog weigh? What size are they? What's your main motivation in getting a, a ramp? Is it for the safety aspect, for the convenience aspect? So I learned all these different things. And then from that, I made like our marketing video and it, it was all based on our, our learnings there. But started six months in advance, I'd say. Is there anything we didn't talk about that you want to touch on? So the other part about this this Doggo Ramps project that we're working on that uh, I think is testament to is, uh, is that animal influencers and influencers in general can still very much convert to, to real sales numbers. Um, I know there's... Uh, some speculations out there that uh, you know, wondering the efficacy of influencer marketing, but I think this you know definitely shows that with the right audience and the right product that uh, can appeal to that audience that can still very much translate to real numbers. Um, so just to touch on that a little bit, what are what are your favorite types of brands to work with for influencer marketing campaigns? Yeah, for for influencer marketing campaigns, we like to work with a brand ideally that. We already use ourselves or would use ourselves. So just that natural affinity with the brand goes a long way. Um, and that just makes it more authentic and kind of comes off more naturally. Um, and we're, we're more comfortable promoting that. Like, um, I, I don't really like promoting something that I wouldn't actually give to my dog. Um, because influencer marketing is all about the trust you have with your audience. That's why, that's why it works is that people trust you um, and a brand wants to harness that power. But if you start promoting products that um, you know your audience can clearly see this is something you wouldn't actually use or you're just doing it for the money, you, you erode that trust and make influencer marketing more difficult to do in the future. And as far as categories, are there certain types of categories um, that you're most interested in with brands? I do actually like doing more human products than always just a pet product. Um, just because I think uh, there's there's more power and possibility there sometimes. Um, there's actually quite a few people who follow us who don't even have dogs too. Um, so you know, you just based on our audience and who we we um, appeal to, uh, it can actually animal, animals can actually work very well for for people brands as well. Like we've worked with General Mills before, Heinz Ketchup with since he's a hot dog works well. And why do you think that is that uh, human brands work so well for pets? I think human brands work so well for pets because it's even though the pet is your subject matter, it's not always about the pet. And all these pets on social media are already anthropomorphized. Um, 
so they're already kind of acting as a human in a way and just what you do with them you know the, the clothes they wear where they go it's so human like already um, so it's kind of like a person who's just really cute and very appealing um, and relatable so it, it works really well for human brands too and why do you think that is why do you think people dress their dogs up on social media and treat them like humans to me it was it was about creating a character um, so and it, that kind of comes back to the writing side of it like I like um, creative writing and fictional writing and stuff. So it was sort of taking Crusoe's real personality. Um, there's definitely a lot of reflections to that. Uh, but of course, exaggerating it a bit more, giving him a voice, a real personality. And I think that's that's one of the things that can make uh, your account stand out so much is, is the personality. Uh, the same way a brand in their social marketing, they take on a brand personality. Uh, it makes a big difference and allows you to do a lot more. Um, I mean, and obviously this is pictures and writing we're talking about. You have to have some sort of writing. Uh, so you have, you have to give a voice to the animal in a way. How did you go about creating that brand and identity for Crusoe and his voice? Yeah. Um, a lot of people say they can see a bit of myself in it. Um, so, you know, he's definitely a ladies man. Uh, very cool. I just kind of started, started writing and, I'd say his voice kind of developed over time a little bit, um, became a little bit more spunky. Uh, it's kind of whimsical. He's he's a little bit sort of ignorant and naive of the world, but still overconfident. So there's a, there's a lot of kind of uh, comical interworkings that can happen there. Um, but it, it really just happened from writing a lot um, and working on his personality and giving it some time um, and definitely basing it on his real personality. A lot of the things... Uh, we write about and the things he does is based on what he actually does because he is he is such a character awesome this was great thank you so much for your time it was such a pleasure chatting no problem thanks for having me talk to you soon bye that was ryan boshane human to the dog agency client crusoe the celebrity dachshund to keep up with crusoe follow crusoe underscore dachshund on instagram and crusoe dachshund on facebook we hope you enjoyed the episode Please leave us an awesome review and make sure to subscribe so you don't miss a thing. If you have any pet-related topics you want us to cover, email us at podcast at petinsider.com. To listen to past episodes, visit petinsider.com slash podcast. I'm Lonnie Edwards, and thank you for listening to the Pet Insider Podcast. Talk soon. Talk soon.